SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after on a Thursday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. Oh yeah, the music is feeling good. Let's let it rip right here on a Thursday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. As you can tell, we want the energy to be high here. On this Thursday morning, I am Ben Stevens. We will bring that energy for you here in our second hour and all the way up until noon Eastern time. A lot of college basketball talk in this second hour, both right now looking at the futures market for cutting down the nets in early April, and then from Sports Illustrated's college basketball reporter, a resident bracketologist, Kevin Sweeney, joining us here on the show just a little bit later in this second hour. And then we ended out by going back to the NFL playoffs our man from FanDuel Ryan Williams and his wild card winners for the weekend that starts in just about 48 hours from now but we begin with college basketball big games across the conference slates pretty much night in night out right now across the country a top 20 tilt last night in the Big East number 14 Villanova hangs on to beat number 17 Xavier 64 to 60. I say hangs on because that is what Nova did certainly last night the Cats got off to a great start they had an 11 point lead at the break but Xavier actually came back and won the second half by seven points the Musketeers actually tied the game with just over two minutes left in regulation but Nova hangs on down the stretch and since Villanova lost its Big East opener in Omaha to the Creighton Blue Jays something that Villanova has not done often in Big East play Villanova has won five straight games they have covered in five straight games the line worked against Nova yesterday they ended as a two-point underdog they won outright as that two-point dog holding on at the end against Xavier. It was the first cover for Villanova this year. In the four games, they have been booked as an underdog, but they have been an underdog against really good opponents like UCLA, Baylor, and Purdue. So a big win last night for Jay Wright and company on the road in Cincinnati. That wraps up the season series between these two conference foes, Villanova taking both games from Xavier, the first matchup back on December 21st. Now from the Big East to the ACC, an ACC that has been very tumultuous so far in this college basketball season. The Atlantic Coast Conference generally one of the best conferences in all of college hoops this year a slightly different story but duke seems to be the best team in the league they got upset by miami inside cameron indoor on saturday night but the blue devils bouncing back eighth ranked in the country falling from number two to number eight and even without coach mike krzyzewski on the sidelines last night in winston-salem duke hammers wake forest 76 64 on the road they bounce back from that upset loss to Miami covering as a six-point favorite. The Blue Devils have been a favorite in all but one game this year, 7-5-2 and two against the spread as a favorite. The total of 151.5 last night also stays under. So Duke has only been a single-digit favorite four times this year. As we mentioned, a favorite in all but one of their games, but a single-digit favorite only four times, 3-1 and one straight up. Three and one against the number, and the Dukies have played three straight games to an under. 
Pay attention to Wake Forest, though. Although losing by double digits last night as only a six-point underdog and not covering the Demon Deeks, 13-4 and four straight up this year, three straight unders for them as well, 2-2 two and two against the number as an underdog so far this year for Wake Forest. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this Thursday on the Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM, Channel 159. A welcome to all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens going around college basketball because where we are right now in the new calendar year in the middle portion of January in the thick of conference action on a nightly basis across college basketball. And that was the case last night going over some of the games that highlighted the Wednesday night marquee slate. It makes me uncomfortable to say what I'm about to say, but the SEC might be the best conference in all of college basketball. The SEC is always very good at college football. Of course, in the national championship game earlier this week on Monday, it was two SEC teams that had met in the SEC championship in Alabama and Georgia. Now the SEC in college hoops, keep an eye on the Southeastern Conference and keep an eye on those Bayou Bengals down in Baton Rouge. The LSU Tigers ranked 12th in the country. A huge road win yesterday on the road in Gainesville, beating the Gators, winning outright as a two and a half point underdog did LSU by a final score of 64 to 58. Now the Tigers and Will Wade, 15-1 and one straight up this year. The only loss for LSU coming to Auburn, another really good team that ranks fourth in the country right now. It was also only the second game for LSU as an underdog this year, the first one being against Auburn, winning outright last night as a two-and-a-half-point dog against Florida. Now, LSU, 13-3 and three against the spread overall. That is the best ATS mark of any team that plays in high major conferences in the total last night of 138 and a half stays under by a good margin lsu is the most efficient defensive team in all of college basketball the tigers have played 13 of their 16 games to an under so far this season florida meanwhile who is going to be one of those contenders in the sec off to a winless start in conference play just zero and three right now in the sec to begin this year they haven't covered in any of those SEC games as well, two of the three of them as a favorite. The SEC is going to be a great conference this year throughout college basketball. We'll get Kevin Sweeney's insight on what that title race looks like in just a little bit. But first, we go to the national championship market in college basketball. How has the market moved in the past month? Find out next here on The Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You want value, we give you value right here, right now on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Value in the college basketball national championship market. Who has the best potential to cut down the nets in early April? It is a market that is hard to figure out because not only do you have to be one of the best teams in college basketball all regular season long, you go and play in a tournament where if you just get hot for a given week and a half span, you might be able to claim a national championship. But we try to find the value based on where the market has moved in the past month in the ranks of college hoops. We do that right now in Market Movers. 
So the market that you see on the left, and those odds are from December 6th, 2021 just over a month ago as conference play was barely starting before the holiday break a couple of conference games some more non-conference games into the christmas break and now very much in the thick of conference action on a nightly basis around college basketball so as you can see there and as is no surprise to anybody gonzaga was a very short favorite at that time on december 6th at plus 440. In fact, that price of plus 440 was even shorter than when Gonzaga began the year as the very heavy favorite at plus 650. So at that point, December 6th, Gonzaga, the short favorite to win the Natty at plus 440. Purdue was behind them with the second best odds at plus 700. Then Duke at plus 750. A clear distinction between those top three favorite odds and where the rest of the country was at the time. KU and Baylor out of the Big 12, both 15 to 1. Villanova plus 1600. UCLA rounding out the top seven at 18 to 1. Now, here is how things stand currently in the national championship market on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Gonzaga is still the short favorite, but back to their preseason price at plus 650. Now, Duke has the second best odds, and this was a dollar change as of last night after the Blue Devils bounce back victory over Wake Forest. The Blue Devils now plus 900. You see Purdue and Baylor there both at 10 to 1. Kansas up by a dollar as well from 15 to 1 to plus 1400. Villanova some market movement against them. We'll break that down in just a moment. Now 22 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook and UCLA has remained at the same price plus 1800. So let's dive into this a little bit more right here. We start at the top with Gonzaga. They have been a favorite all year long. They are now the number two team in the country as well. Gonzaga has suffered two losses. They were undefeated, if you remember, entering the national championship game last early April against Baylor. Now already two losses, but against good sides in Duke and Alabama. Still the favorite, but the short price that was astronomically short and made no sense about a month ago, back to plus 650. At that time, a clear distinction between Gonzaga, Purdue, and Duke in the national championship market. Now, it's a little bit more jumbled in the prices that you will see because, as you can tell, Duke, after last night's victory against Wake Forest, went from 10 to 1 to plus 900. They were tied for the second best odds, a distinction they now hold by themselves, entering yesterday with Baylor and Purdue. Both Baylor and Purdue remain at plus 1,000 right now, 10 to 1 to win the national championship. Now, let me take this moment here as Big Ten Ben to highlight the Purdue Boilermakers because over the weekend, when sports betting, online wagering became legal here in New York State, I was diving through the futures market and I saw Purdue at a price that was just astounding to me. Purdue was the preseason favorite to win the Big Ten Conference. They entered the year as one of the best teams in college basketball. Still a top 10 team that has suffered a couple of Big Ten losses, two to be exact so far, but still Purdue going to be a factor in the Big Ten race. And so their odds to win the conference went from the favorite all the way now to the fourth shortest odds to win the conference at plus 480. It was too good a value for me to pass up, so I made that bet this weekend. We will monitor how the Boilers do throughout the rest of this Big Ten conference season. Just wanted to take that time to reference the value in the Big Ten marketplace for a team that still is tied for the third best odds with the reigning national champs in Baylor to win the national championship at 10 to 1. As you move past Baylor and as you go to Kansas, Kansas has had a dollar of movement 
in their favor. From 15 to 1, the same price as Baylor back in early December, now to 14 to 1. Baylor, $5 of movement in their favor. And in the Big 12 Conference, a very competitive basketball league this year, Baylor is the favorite at plus 195. Baylor just suffering their first loss of the season two nights back at home against Texas Tech. KU has the second best odds in the Big 12 Conference, the Jayhawks plus 230. Now, Villanova has seen the most market movement against them in this market movers graphic that you are seeing here to my left. Villanova was 16 to 1 back in early December. Now they are 22 to 1 entering yesterday's game in which Villanova was booked as a short underdog on the road against Xavier, another top 20 team from the Big East. Villanova was plus 2800 So $12 of movement against them entering yesterday from where this market stood in early December. And then $6 of movement based on one result, an upset victory technically by the odds last night in Cincinnati against Xavier. So now at 22 to 1, time for the eighth best odds in the current marketplace as things stand for the national championship. And although these odds are not currently up, Villanova, the favorites to win the Big East in a minus money price at minus 140 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Now let's dive into the Pac-12 a little bit here and start with UCLA, who you saw have the same odds back in early December that they do right now at plus 1,800. 18 to 1 to win the national championship. Those odds right now currently in the national championship market are the same odds with Arizona. Now, Arizona is a very good basketball team. UCLA, also a very good basketball team. UCLA ranked third in the country. Arizona ranks fifth. USC, although suffered their first loss of the year in an upset victory against Stanford a couple of nights ago, was ranked sixth in the country. So three Pac-12 teams in the top six. And when you look at the Pac-12 conference odds, Arizona and UCLA tied in the national championship market. But to win the Pac-12 title, Arizona is the slight favorite at plus 140, 10 cents ahead of UCLA in the Pac-12 market at plus 150. A pretty far drop off to USC at plus 440 to win the Pac-12 conference, also 48 to 1 in the national championship market as well. So that's how the market has moved right now. You're trying to find value in this marketplace. It's pretty difficult to do because, again, a reminder, you could be the best team in college basketball, as was Gonzaga last year, and Baylor was right behind them. And sure, they met in the national championship, but that's not what often happens in a tournament known as March Madness, where chaos is confounding for two straight weeks in the hunt for a national championship because you might have a five seed that got hot over the final month of their conference action and they could really be the best team in college basketball at that time you could have a team get hot in the tournament to be an eight seed to upset and do some crazy things in this marketplace and on any given day you have an eight seed that's better than a one seed and although gonzaga is the favorite right now and probably will be a number one seed by the time we get to the ncaa tournament you never know what the seeding matchups are going to look like, which coaches across college basketball will tell you is the most important thing by the time we get to the big dance in the middle portion of March. I do want to highlight one team right now in the national championship market that you need to be paying attention to because the market has certainly moved in their favor, tied with both UCLA and Arizona at plus 1,800. That the sixth best odds in the country right now. And that, of course, 
is the Auburn Tigers, the favorites now to win the SEC, an Auburn team that has been absolutely outstanding this year. Only one loss back in the non-conference portion of their slate against UConn. They have won 12 straight games. They have been covering like crazy, and they continue to win as they did outright a couple of nights ago in Tuscaloosa against their rivals in Alabama. If you do not know Auburn and you do not know Jabari, Jabari Smith and you do not know Wendell Green Jr., start paying attention to Bruce Pearl's team. 18-1 to 1 right now, some value on the Auburn Tigers in the national title race as well. We hear from Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney, a college basketball reporter, up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The glory that is college basketball has been the focus for the first part of this second hour of the morning after on a Thursday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, and college basketball remains the focus right now as we welcome on Kevin Sweeney, a man known as CBB Central, a college basketball reporter for Sports Illustrated, joining us here because right now in the thick of conference action, we need Kevin's expertise and insight. So, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us after a very late night double overtime thriller between Maryland and Northwestern in the Evanston, Illinois area. But yet here you are bright and early on a Thursday on TMA. I, I think I'm the good luck charm for double overtime games. Is it Loyola Valpo Tuesday night, double overtime, Northwestern Maryland Wednesday night, double, double overtime. So uh, happy to wake up with you anyway, Ben. Appreciate you having me on. Back-to-back double overtime games for Kevin Sweeney. Speaking of Loyola Chicago, Kevin, if you don't know, online sports wagering became legal here in the Empire State over the weekend. I was hosting a show called In Game Live on Saturday evening. I saw Loyola down by a couple of points against Bradley late in that second half. I go live on the Ramblers at plus 104. They come back in overtime to win that game mainly because I follow your Twitter feed and how good Loyola has been this year. So let's dive around college basketball, and let's start with a perennial power in college basketball, the ACC, that this year, eh, not so great. But Duke last night on the road, even without Coach K bouncing back from an upset loss to Miami over the weekend in trounced Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. What impressed you most about number eight Duke last night in that road victory? I think AJ Griffin's continued emergence is huge for this group, right? Like they felt really confident that, that Paolo Bencaro can be elite. They felt really good that uh, Wendell Moore can be, you know, all-American caliber guy. And, and Wendell has struggled lately, so they've needed someone to step up. And AJ Griffin, the freshman who is really, really talented, has a chance to be a lottery pick. You know, played his best game as a Blue Devil. He had 22 points. He was really efficient. He got to the rim with ease. He made some outside shots. If he emerges into a legitimate third option for this group, watch out because there is no team more talented than the Duke Blue Devils right now. And Paolo Bancaro, a huge night as well. And right now, Kevin, a lot of people have jokingly speculated that the ACC might be 
a one-bid league by the time we get to March Madness. I don't actually think that is going to be the case, but when you look on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Duke is an odds-on favorite to win the conference right now at minus 115. Who do you believe is the biggest challenger to the Blue Devils within the ACC? Man, it's tough. I mean, I think you almost have to say it's Miami from like only from the lens of like they already have the hardest win you could get in the league at Cameron, right? So it's like mm -hmm. if you're trying to find someone who could actually win the league, having that win in their pocket gives them such a leg up over everyone else. I don't think they're the second best team in the league. I think that's probably still North Carolina. I don't love that. I saw them last week in South Bend and they couldn't guard anyone. Uh, but I still think North Carolina is the most talented team. They have a star in Baycott. I think if you look for the second best team, it's North Carolina. But the second best chance to somehow steal this conference away from Duke is probably Miami. Yeah, and Miami already has that huge road victory inside Cameron on Saturday night. I noticed you didn't say the Syracuse Orange at 50-1. to 1. We'll let that slide here as things stand. But, Kevin, you're a resident bracketologist to some. You have done some great bracketology work in your time for Sports Illustrated. I jokingly say the ACC might be a one-bid league. How many bids to the NCAA tournament do you think the ACC has in store this year? My feeling for a while has been four, just because I almost think that's the floor for a league like the ACC. Not because I love the resumes of teams two through four or two through seven, really, in the ACC. But look, like if you come in third or fourth in the ACC, you're probably going to win like 13 conference games. If you're in 13 conference games in a power conference, you're going to go to the NCAA tournament. That's just the reality of it, right? Like Miami's net right now is, I think, 82. That doesn't look like an NCAA tournament net, but if they go 13 and seven in the ACC, which they're well on track to do at this point, they're going to be put in the NCAA tournament. That's just how it works. It's how it's always seemed to work. I don't see why that would change this year. So I think you find four. Who those four are is a mystery. I think North Carolina is probably number two. We'll see. I think Miami's probably number three. We'll see. Who's the fourth? Your guess is good as mine. Hey, you know what they say, death taxes, Jim Beheim on the bubble come Selection Sunday. Anyway, we move on from all the Syracuse talk. So if the ACC has not been great this year, the SEC, Kevin, has been fantastic. Do you think the Southeastern Conference is the best league in college basketball right now? I don't think it's the best league, but I think it has the strongest top of any league in the country, right? I mean, you look at this Auburn team that I think is special, that has an opportunity to be the best team in the country, that has a chance to win a national title. They have this great front court. You know, LSU has, has let, raised its game, and they're so good defensively. Tennessee, Kentucky, I think Alabama is, you know, not worth forgetting about despite that horrific loss to Missouri. I mean, that top five, I, I challenge you to find another top five in a conference better than that one. It's just, it's just loaded. Mm. There's NBA players on every roster, and, it's going to be fun to watch. I think this Auburn team is is a cut above the rest right now. They're just so, so talented up front, particularly with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. But, man, this league is going to be, have some fun battles uh, come February and March. Yeah, certainly so. The Auburn Tigers, fantastic. The LSU Tigers, fantastic. Kentucky has given us spurts. Tennessee has as well. Florida struggling right now, 0-3 in conference play. But across the Southeastern Conference should be some high-level basketball throughout the rest of the conference portion of this college basketball season. Kevin Sweeney joining us right here on a Thursday on the morning after. A college basketball reporter with Sports Illustrated who also dabbles in bracketology in fact i have known him as my resident bracketologist in times past we worked together a lot last march and right now kevin an interesting market on the fanduel sportsbook where you can pick teams 
to reach the final four. Of course, Gonzaga, the shortest price in this market at plus 125. Baylor behind them at plus 190, where Purdue and Duke find themselves as well. When you look at this marketplace and you see some of those prices, which of these teams you think have the best shot to be a Final Four team when all is said and done? Yeah, I think Gonzaga and Baylor are probably the two teams that stand out as the most consistent in college basketball. And I said earlier, I think Duke's the most talented team. I think the the price that's really interesting on that board, Ben, is that Auburn plus 420. I alluded to them earlier. They have the best front court in college basketball. Jabari Smith can be the number one pick. Walker Kessler leads the country in block rate. Uh, so you, you you build off of that foundation. And Wendell Green, who's just continued to emerge. I mean, if, if you like little point guards who can just go, you know, wreak havoc on the floor, that's Wendell Green right there. And they've got other guys in, in the backcourt with uh, Katie Johnson and, and Alan Flanagan. You know, I, I think there's a lot of value there on this Auburn team that has an elite coach who's been there before in Bruce Pearl has tremendous talent on, on this group. I think probably the most talented Auburn team he's had. You know, I, I think this top five team. So I think there's great value there at, at plus 420 relative to the rest of the board. I love that value. Love the value on the Auburn Tigers. Somehow, some way, Kevin, I am uncomfortable with how highly I speak about the SEC in basketball, but I'm really falling in love with how Auburn does play the game. We are both Big Ten guys, though. As you know, an alum of Northwestern in certain areas of the country, I am known as Big Ten Ben. And when you look from an individual basis, yes, the SEC certainly front-loaded, but a lot of the front-runners right now to win the Warden Award as the best player in college basketball hailing from the Big Ten Conference. A couple of those guys on display tonight, Johnny Davis of Wisconsin, EJ Liddell of Ohio State, Keegan Murray of Iowa, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, throw in Trevion Williams, and so on and so forth. You see this price here for the Warden Award right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you make of who the favorites are in this marketplace? I think the big thing with, with Johnny Davis is that Johnny has shown up huge in the biggest moments, right? I mean, the 30-point game against Houston at the Maui Invitational, that's always a showcase event for the sport. The 37 he put up against Purdue. I mean, those are the two most memorable, but you know, he had the huge three to beat Indiana and come back from a huge deficit. He had a big game against Iowa and a draft showcase game against Keegan Murray. He gets another showcase game tonight uh, against Ohio State and EJ Liddell, who's going to be in the mix for, for Big Ten and National Player of the Year awards. So I think as long as Davis continues to carry his team, which he certainly is at this point, and Wisconsin is not nearly good enough without him to even, I think, be an NCAA tournament team. I think they're an NIT team at best without him. Uh, so I think the, mm -hmm. the valuable side of it, plus the fact that he's showing up in big games, if he keeps doing that, I think it will be Johnny Davis who, who wins this award come March. Johnny Davis, a sophomore from the state of Wisconsin, leading Wisconsin in points, rebounds, assists, and steals so far this season. He has scored double figures in every game so far, at least 19 points in the last seven for the Wisconsin Badgers. As Kevin and I alluded to, a huge matchup in Madison tonight against 16th-ranked Ohio State. The Badgers, number 13 in the country. The Buckeyes, number 16. Right now on FanDuel, Wisconsin, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. Kevin, what should we expect out of this matchup tonight between the Badgers and Buckeyes? Ohio State dominated Wisconsin in the first meeting, and that, but that was like a letdown spot for Wisconsin. It felt kind of inevitable that they were going to lose that game. I was surprised how much they lost it by, but... I think the, ch the challenge with, with betting against Wisconsin right now is they play with such supreme confidence with, with Davis, the way he's playing. And I think everyone in the, in the, all the, all the role players have fully bought into to what they need to be. And I think with, 
with Ohio State, you know, they're a more talented group. I think Liddell's awesome. They put 95, I think, on Northwestern uh, this past weekend. It was an impressive offensive performance. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good about backing someone against John Davis right now. I mean, the guy is just on a different level and continues to ball out in the biggest moments. And that over-under of 139.5 often would be pretty high for a Wisconsin team, but they played five straight overs. Kevin Sweeney, a college basketball reporter for Sports Illustrated, dropping tons of knowledge in CBB for us here today. Kevin, as always, thank you very much for your time and your expertise. Thanks, Ben. And I'm not kidding, a resident bracketologist who will be here throughout the college basketball season. We go back to the NFL postseason up next here on The Morning After. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Countdown has certainly begun. Only about two days away from the start of the NFL postseason. And we break that down right here, right now, on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. And each and every Thursday throughout the regular season and now into the playoffs, we have been joined by FanDuel's Ryan Williams. His weekend winners as we approach what is next in the NFL. And this weekend, Ryan, it is the playoffs. So we are so glad to have your insight here as we enter playoff football across the National Football League. Yeah, Ben, it's, it's happy to be here again, man. We're going into the postseason, going in strong, and we're here to make some people money on Super Wild Card Weekend. We got some fun games to talk about here, some front, fun prop lines that are going to be had. People think the Super Bowl is only for the props, but no, no, the postseason is nice for the props as well. You get a nice, uh, I think the props are a little bit softer in the postseason until we get to that Super Bowl because uh, people yeah. are mostly thinking about the lines. So should be fun. If the props are slightly softer, the edges and how sharp they are from a spread and total perspective are made even stronger entering the postseason. Very, very difficult to beat a side as we approach the NFL playoffs. But let's start first, Ryan, with the Saturday doubleheader. And we'll actually go to the nightcap in Buffalo, New York, between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. The third meeting between these AFC East teams so far this season. Buffalo right now, a four-point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The over-under sits at 44 points. Of course, Ryan, we all remember the first thrilling meeting in Buffalo between these two teams this year. Back on that cold and blustery Monday night where the Patriots threw the ball three times. They ran it 46 times, and they won that football game 14-10 to in an ode to the Army-Navy game just a couple of days after. What can we expect, Ryan, in your mind for the third meeting between the Bills and the Patriots this season? Well, it's going to be a frozen tundra. I mean, here in Buffalo, it, it, or not here, I'm not there, but where what I see in <laughs> Buffalo, it's going to be cold. And we're looking at the run games here for both of these teams. Now, I'll, I'll talk about a Josh Allen prop here because I do think it's going to be both teams leaning on the run. This Buffalo team has gotten Devin Singletary going. Um, as of recently, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden on the other side, these guys are going to be reeling. Uh, Mac Jones is definitely going to have to pass for more than three times here in this game. And I see a lot of people taking the the uh, New England side. I think it was at 1.4 and a half. So you had that hook there um, that people are really interested in. You're looking at 
um, against the spread. But Buffalo, as it stands, they are four-point favorites here. And we know that in their 11 wins, they've won those games by double-digit points. So if you expect Buffalo to go out here and win, this is a good number to get them at. Absolutely so. And that's where you are leaning for the second game on Saturday night. You mentioned the prop market and where we might be able to find some value. First, let's start on Buffalo's side. The quarterback, Josh Allen. Are you looking at a rushing yards prop for one of Buffalo's leading rushers or maybe more in the passing game? Yeah, I think we're going to go in the passing game, Ben. And you know me, I love to go uh, plus money. I love to look at these overs here. But just the way that this game is shaping up, I have to look at the under 243 and a half for his passing prop. Um, this is a guy who has not, he's only met this mark, I believe, twice on the season at home. And those games were before it start. It started getting cold and frozen in Buffalo. Since, you know, since the tide has turned in November, this guy has not hit this number as of late. You're seeing him pass for 170, 200, 215. They've been happy to get the ball, you know, rolling and in, in, in on that side and let their defense kind of hold things down. So I think we're getting a nice prop here at the 243 and a half. I'm going to go under that for Josh Allen. And on the other side of the ground game for the Patriots, how do you approach that prop market? <laughs> yeah, we're going to look at Damian Harris here, who his anytime, uh, his anytime prop to score a touchdown is plus 120. This guy absolutely loves playing Buffalo. Doesn't matter if it's at home. Doesn't matter if it's on the road. This dude goes for 100 and a touchdown in the three games that he's played against Buffalo in his short career here. So, And we know what the Patriots want to do, right? They've shown us they want to be able to establish the run against this team. This guy's the lead back. He leads them in, in red zone carries, end zone carries, and just carries overall in general like if Marat if if he's healthy Ramondre Stevenson is not you know going to see a bulk share of the workload he's going to see over you know 68 percent of the snaps as we've seen before so any type of Damian Harris prop is rushing prop I think is is right around 60 if I'm not mistaken um love that and love getting him to score an anytime touchdown this week and that plus money to find the end zone at plus 120. So that is the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday. The first game up, a game, Ryan, where we have already seen a ton of line movement. That one in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Raiders. Right now, the Bengals on FanDuel, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. But the line opened up with Cincy laying six-and-a-half points at home. It came down to four-and-a-half initially. It went back up to five-and-a-half. And then early this morning on FanDuel, back down to four-and-a-half points in favor of the Bengals. With so much line movement, Ryan, maybe we don't look at the spread or maybe even the total. We go to the prop market for two very talented wide receivers, and one actually is listed as a tight end. Where is your focus for the game between the Raiders and the Bengals? Yeah, I think this I think this game uh, does have some juice to it as far as offensive ability and offensive explosion. You're looking at the Raiders coming off of a short week there. Um, and maybe their defense is ruined a little bit, allowing the Bengals to put up points here. Who They've been basically rested their starters last week. So Joe Burrow here, I think he's going to get up for this game, uh, being his you know first home playoff game. And the stadium is going to be rocking. Love getting Chase at his prop at over 70 and a half receiving yards. I think he's right around line with T. Higgins. But this guy has, you know, he's been the alpha in this offense as it as it stands and this is you know Joe Burrow's college teammate I think if they you know get into a shootout or get into some trouble he's definitely going to be leaning on Chase regardless and Chase's or Chase's lines at home have been absolutely incredible so getting that number on Chase feels nice at 70 and a half 
And then when you look to the other side, that tight end for the Las Vegas Raiders, Darren Waller. How do you approach where he might be in the prop market, given that his quarterback, Derek Carr, also making his postseason debut? Yeah, so so I think here what it stands is, you know, if, the, if Josh Jacobs is able to get going for this team, which they've seen a propensity to kind of get him uh, running the balls as of late, that, that could bode well for this Raiders offense. But I just tend to believe that the Bengals come out here swinging. This is a favorable matchup for Joe Mixon uh, and, and, and Burrow on the other side. When these two teams met before, I mean, Joe Burrow really didn't need to do that much. It was the Joe Mixon yeah. show as they beat them by, you know, almost 20 points. Um, so on the other side, I think the if the Raiders have to throw. We're looking at Darren Waller getting going over the past couple of weeks. I think 14 targets in his past two games. Those haven't led to the numbers that we usually are seeing from Darren Waller. But, you know, if they're able to contain Hunter Renfro in the slot and they're able to, you know, the only other guys are Brian Edwards and Zay Jones. If the Bengals aren't giving up big plays, he could get them over the middle, Darren Waller, that is. So getting that number at 59 and a half seems seems reasonable. And that's one we're going to we're going to target. Yeah, five of the six playoff matchups this weekend feature a game we have already seen at least once in the regular season. Both of the games on Saturday. In that opening game between the Bengals and the Raiders back in week number 11, Joe Burrow only threw the ball for 148 yards. It was Joe Mixon really on the ground that dictated the pace of that football game. Could look very different here as we approach the playoffs. Now, from the games on Saturday to the games on Sunday. Three on Sunday, including the highest total of the entire Super Wild Card weekend of 51 points between the Cowboys and the 49ers. So, Ryan, as you approach that total, it is lofty. Do you think we go over or under that in the game between the Cowboys and the Niners? Yeah, this is a fun one to to think about all week because the 49ers getting a lot of public love here uh, as three-point dogs heading into heading into Dallas but uh but I think yes I think we do see fireworks in this game I mean Dallas has been an absolute offense explosion I know that people look at the opponents you know playing the, the Eagles playing Washington twice um they, they haven't had you know big opponents playing Arizona you know teams where they could really you know pass the ball against but they just look like they are firing on all cylinders right now and I think that they're able to put up 30 points in this game so on the other side we're looking at uh, at Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and this team has a lot to prove you know just kind of sneaking in beating the Rams who are you know some people's favorites to come out of the NFC to compete with the Packers and I think that Jimmy G you know they're going to look to get the the rock established with Elijah Mitchell and and get Debo and Kittle back involved Kittle's kind of been reeling the past couple of weeks this game just screams as, as though you know people are looking at the point spread here I do think that you know this is a favorable game for offenses on both sides and I want to get that number at 51 before it gets any higher and it already has increased by a hook from an opener at 50 and a half. There has been a lot of public attention paid to what seems to be a very live dog in San Francisco, but yet the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think, hesitant to move that number off of the very key number of three for that field goal price. Now, the last game on Sunday, Sunday night football in Kansas City, the Chiefs, a big 12 and a half point favorite against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cam Hayward met with the media before practice today for Pittsburgh. He said, whoa, we're only a two touchdown dog. I thought it was going to be like three touchdowns. So Pittsburgh's feeling pretty fun about how they approach this game against Kansas City. Do you think it's enough to cover that big spread? Yeah, I do. I, do. I mean, 12 and a half, that, that's, that's a large spread for Kansas City. We talked numerous times on, on this show here on the morning after about how Kansas City has trouble 
covering these spreads um, as they get lofty. And now we're talking about postseason. And I, I kind of love what the Steelers are doing, Ben. You got Roethlisberger talking about, you know, they're just happy to be there. He told all the guys they just want to have fun. Cam Hayward's out there talking about, wow, we thought we were, you know, going to get blown out in this game. And they just mm -hmm. are coming off of that heartbreak wild card loss last year to Cleveland. You know, and that game was really tough for them. I, I feel like uh, they, they really should have. They thought that they needed to win that game and they lost by 11 points. This is a team that has not in Ben Roethlisberger's uh, tenure has not lost a wild card playoff game. Uh, by more than 11 points, I believe, uh, even on the road. So this is, you know, if you're if we're looking at history repeating itself and what they do well on their side of the ball as far as offense keeping up, keeping pace in this game, even if KC goes out to a big league, I, big lead, I still think we can get, you know, second half Ben Roethlisberger, road Ben Roethlisberger, his career road splits are much better than at home. And they could, you know, yeah. just be playing for fun in this game. And Kansas City knows they have everything on the table to lose here. So maybe we get them kind of, you know, Tyreek Hill still banged up. We'll see what, what's happening with the running back situation. A lot of question marks there. The Chiefs have been a favorite in every single game this year, but this spread of 12 and a half is the biggest favored side in Kansas City's favor all season long. You also look at the prop market for this game and the very talented rookie running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris. Finding the end zone, Ryan, how do you think he does it against the Chiefs? Yeah, plus 110 for him to score an 80-time touchdown. I mean, this just comes simple. If you think that the Steelers are scoring, you know, at least 14 points, I think their implied total is, is right around 17 or 18 in this game. I, I, I just feel like that's going to come through Najee Harris, whether it's pass catching or whether it's rushing the ball. When they get into inside the 20, this is their guy that they look for and lean to. And, and we know that, you know, the Chiefs have a little bit of, of trouble covering the running backs when it comes to the red zone. A great way to look at the anytime touchdown score market. Tie it to what the correlated team total is going to be for that team and who will be doing the scoring. Ryan also likes Arizona getting four points on the road on Monday night. We have a couple more days to preview Monday night football as well. Ryan Williams from FanDuel breaking it down. The wild card winners for you going across the slate on both Saturday and Sunday. Ryan, as always, thank you very much for your time. Enjoy the football in the postseason this weekend. Definitely will. Thanks, guys. And we will have you back as we continue to go through the playoffs in the NFL. A game Ryan and I touched on right there. The line movement, and tremendously so, we have seen between the Bengals and the Raiders. We look at that first game up of the NFL playoffs up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour together here on a Thursday edition of the Morning After on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. We have been deep diving through the NFL postseason. Two games starting on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and then a Monday night football game as well. Out at the site of Super Bowl 56, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. One of the first games of the entire weekend slate. In fact, the first game takes place in Cincinnati, Ohio, between the Bengals and the Raiders. Now, the Bengals have been a favorite 
all along, but the line has been moving like crazy, back and forth, back and forth, early in the week, even leading up until Saturday. So now only two days away, where do we expect that line to go? Well, let's take a look and guess the line. So Cincinnati opened up as the favorite in this matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders. The Bengals laying six and a half points. It's almost remarkable the Raiders are in this spot, not only in the postseason, but because of that overtime win over the Chargers in the regular season finale of NFL week number 18. The Raiders moved into the number five seed, and I think the Raiders are getting some of that public love right now. Since he opened again as a six and a half point favorite, the line moved down to four and a half, and then for most of the day yesterday, came back up into the Bengals' favor slightly at five and a half points. Then refresh it again, come this morning, the Bengals now just a four and a half point favorite again. The over under is at 48 and a half. It opened at 48 and a half. It got up to 49 and a hook. Now back down to that original total number for Saturday. This is the first game of the entire NFL playoffs. The first game of a doubleheader on Saturday. By the time we get to kick around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, where will this line be? I think Cincy at this shorter price is going to get a little bit more attention. I think the Bengals close around a five, five and a half point favorite by the time the NFL postseason gets underway on Saturday. What is about to get underway? Happy hour. Hour number three of the morning after is up next.